So tonight, this is what I'd like to talk about. I, I want to talk about the difference between conviction and condemnation. The difference between conviction and condemnation. Because I am convinced that there are times in our lives that, uh, even as believers, that we've allowed condemnation uh, to direct our decision-making. You know, our, our enemy, he's defeated, and we know that, but he's kind of sneaky in the things that he does, and sometimes he'll, he'll, he'll use condemnation to make you feel guilty if you don't do something. Last night at Solid Rock Church on Highway 79, uh, 5250, Pittsburgh Valley Parkway, I was teaching on forgiveness uh, to the folks that were there, unforgiveness and unforgiveness, what that looks like, and, and, and sometimes you can have true forgiveness without reconciliation. Uh, but the enemy tries to make us feel guilt, and along with the forgiveness that the Holy Spirit is working in our heart, the enemy tries to get us to put ourselves back in a situation where we could just get hurt again because there's been no repentance, there's been no recompense, there's been no change on the other side. So while we can truly forgive, why would we put ourselves back in a relationship or back in a situation where, you know, the dog bites you once, you know, bad dog, dog bites you two or three times, you're stupid. You keep putting your hand by the dog's mouth, don't do it. And so we want, I want everyone to understand the, the clarity and the difference between conviction and condemnation. The Holy Spirit convicts, but our enemy is the one who condemns. John 16, 8 says that when he has come, talking about the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. When we are uh, lost, when we are separated from God, when we don't have a relationship, we haven't, we haven't had that born-again experience, we're not in covenant with him, we're unbelievers, the Holy Spirit is the one who draws us to God. Our Bible tells us that we can't come to God unless the Holy Spirit draws us. So at different times in our lives, the Holy Spirit will draw us to a place of recognizing our need for a Savior, a place of recognizing our own sinfulness, a place of recognizing our unrighteousness and realizing that there's nothing at all that we can do about it. And he draws us to God. He draws us to Jesus. He draws us to the cross. He draws us to the resurrection. He draws us to the finished work of redemption. And we respond. We yield. We surrender all that we are to God. And in that situation, we enter into God's kingdom. But Conviction doesn't stop there. Conviction is not a one-time thing. As a Christ follower with the Spirit of God alive inside of me, the Holy Spirit is constantly convicting me, constantly convicting you about things we should or should not be involved with, people we should or should not be around, things we should or should not say or see or hear. And so the convicting power of the Holy Spirit uh, is an ongoing thing in our life. Unfortunately, condemnation from our enemy is also an ongoing thing in our life. Here's one of the primary differences. Conviction leads us to repentance. The, the New Testament word for repentance means a change of mindset, change your way of thinking, change your mind. So conviction from the Holy Spirit just quickens in our heart or brings alive the fact that what we're involved with is sinful or what we're involved with is, is not what God has for us and for our lives. And so it brings us to a place of confessing to God, you know what, I, I recognize that now, Father. I've missed you. I've sinned. I've got outside of your will for my life. And, and, and so I'm, I'm, I'm admitting that tonight and I'm repenting. I'm changing my mind, my, my way of thinking. I'm getting my thoughts in line with your thoughts. I'm getting my words in line with your words. I'm going to do what you want me to do. That's what conviction brings us to. And so conviction doesn't leave you feeling bad. It shows you a way out. It shows you a way of escape. It shows you a way of hope. It shows you a way of healing. So uh, conviction leads to repentance. Repentance brings with it restoration. And once you've repented and resto been restored, then a refreshing comes. And so now you feel different. You, 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 you feel that feeling of what it means to be the righteousness of God all over again. Condemnation just leaves you feeling guilty. 
It doesn't leave you a way out. It doesn't offer you any hope. It just leaves you feeling guilty. Your Bible in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, I'm reading from the NIV, but whatever translation you look this up, and it's going to say something very similar to this. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No, zero, zilch, zilch, none. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So if you are a Christ follower, there is no condemnation for you. That does not mean there's no conviction. If we're Christ followers, if we're believers and, and we're pursuing him with our life and we get off track uh, intentionally, unintentionally, usually it's intentionally. I heard Dr. Rod Parsley years ago say we, we act like we fall into sin. And the truth is we build a high dive out of toothpicks and slowly climb up it and dive in. So let's just be real. Most of the time we, we feel that shaking our spirit and we, we feel the Holy Spirit telling us don't do something and, and we do it anyway. But thank God that, 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 that we can just come to him. We can receive forgiveness from him when we've done those things. And, 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 but Conviction is going to continually come into our lives, and that's right. That's the way it's supposed to be in the life of a Christ follower. Condemnation has no right to exist. It's not for us, and it's not from our God. So how do I know the difference? It's, this will be a good question. I know, I know somebody on here, I, I see Kim uh, Baker's watching. She probably just looked at Bubba and asked this question. How do I know the difference between conviction and condemnation? Again, Conviction is from the Holy Spirit. Now, if we are Christ followers and Romans 8, 14, those are led by the Spirit of God or the sons of God or daughters of God, children of God, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. They recognize that they're not going to follow anybody else. And so as we're spending time in the Word, spending time in prayer, spending time listening to the voice of God, listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, allowing Him to mature us and grow us, it becomes easier to recognize what is the Holy Spirit and what is the enemy, what is right and what is confusing. So conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. Condemnation comes from your enemy. Conviction leads to repentance, as we just talked about. But condemnation just leaves you feeling guilty with no avenue of relief without any hope. Conviction ultimately offers forgiveness. Condemnation only offers guilt. I want to say that again. Conviction ultimately offers forgiveness, but condemnation only offers guilt. Conviction leads us or compels us or, or draws us to run to God, to run to Jesus, to receive his grace, while condemnation tends to cause us to run from God in shame. Conviction leads to joy, it leads to peace, it leads to freedom, but condemnation only brings about more sin and regret. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your conviction that leads us to a place of confession and repentance and refreshing and restoration and rest and joy. And teach us, Holy Spirit, how to Instantly recognize the difference between conviction and condemnation. It's okay when the Holy Spirit brings conviction. When I was in high school, I played football at Hewitt Trustful for Coach Jack Wood. I was on the first team. I was a, just moved up into 10th grade as a sophomore at the time at Hewitt Trustful. Ninth grade was in the junior high. So the first grade in the high school was, was your sophomore year. And we brought Coach Wood in as our new coach. And I remember Coach Wood told us early on, you know, he would get on us. He was a tough guy, man. He was a tough coach, and, and uh, he would do things. One, one year, apparently my hair was too long. It was sticking out under my helmet, so he came up in the middle of stretching and just grabbed it and ripped hair out of it. One day I'm wearing brand-new white cleats, and he walked up, and he said, Bilbo, got some new cleats, huh? I said, yes, sir. He always chewed red, man. He said, 
I'll break them in for you. <laughs> so he was, he was a tough dude, man. He was a tough character, but he loved us and, and, and he cared about us. But he would say this. He would say, don't be upset when I get on you. He said, the time you should be upset is if I don't say anything to you. He said, because as long as I'm correcting you, challenging you, getting on you, that means I see value in you. I see potential in you. I see possibility. He said, if I'm not even having anything to do with you, it's probably because I don't really see much potential or much value there. The Holy Spirit is convicting us, not condemning us, not, not shaming us. Jesus already carried that for us. Not, not trying to force guilt on us. He's convicting us because he cares so much about us and about the way we live our lives. And so conviction comes to get us out of error and back into the place that, that God desires us to be. I hope that makes sense to everybody. Um, our enemy is trying to speak. God's always speaking, of course, and our enemy is trying to speak. And, and you know, what, what, does, what does God's voice sound like versus what does Satan's voice sound like? I, I've got a few things to share with you tonight. I hope that will help you. The voice of God steals you. It calms you. It can relax you in tense and anxious situations. Satan's voice just rushes you. The voice of God leads you. Psalm 23 said that he leads us beside still water. The voice of the enemy pushes you. The voice of God reassures you while the voice of the enemy just frightens you. The voice of the Holy Spirit enlightens us while the voice of the enemy confuses us. God's voice is encouraging. The enemy's voice is discouraging. God's voice is comforting while the enemy's voice is worrisome. Again, God's voice calms us. It convicts us. The enemy, condemnation. Holy Spirit, conviction. One thing we know about God, he's never early, he's never late, he's always right on time, and his plans for us are good. He's a God of love. He's also a God of order. If the voice you're hearing doesn't sound like those things, if they sound like hate and confusion, that is not the voice of God. And I want each and every one of us to, to develop a relationship by being in his word, by being in prayer, by spending time in his presence, where we quickly recognize the voice of God. It can't be counterfeited, man. Once you've had that relationship with God and that, and that relationship deepens and grows and you know what the voice of the Holy Spirit sounds like, your enemy's never going to be able to counterfeit that voice. And so there doesn't have to be any confusion when it comes to that. I hope this is helping you tonight. A few more things about the difference between God's voice and, and other voices. God, God speaks from a place of love. And our enemy and this world and this world system and everything that sets itself up in opposition to God, speaks with a voice of fear. If you don't believe me, watch any newscast. I don't care if it's network news, cable news, news on Facebook. Just listen to anything, anything. And all it's doing is is pushing fear. They're fear mongers. But that's not what the voice of God sounds like. The voice of God speaks life. The, The voice of our enemy speaks judgment. The voice of God speaks abundance, and the enemy's voice always talking about lack. The voice of God speaks kindness, where the enemy's voice speaks shame. God's voice is full of grace, and it's full of mercy, and the enemy's is trying to control us, 
trying to, to direct us in a, in, a, in a way that, that is contrary to what God has for us. God's voice brings connection, and the enemy's voice brings a disconnect. There's purpose behind God's voice. There's paranoia behind the enemy's voice. There's wisdom in the voice of God, and there's insecurity in the voice of the enemy. There's freedom in the voice of God. The voice of the Holy Spirit speaks. Your Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. We sang it last night, Jason Upton's song, Freedom Reigns. When God speaks, man, there, there's freedom. The voice of the Holy Spirit is a voice of freedom. The voice of God is a voice of reconciliation, and the voice of our enemy is a voice of division because that's what he desires, to steal, to kill, and destroy. You may be saying this. We, we've got a few minutes left tonight, and uh, I, I want to share this with you. I hope you're getting something out of this tonight. I see you on there, Martha and Chad and Christy Michelle. Appreciate you guys being on here tonight. If you would, click the like button, uh, make some comments. If you got questions, drop them in that comment box. If you haven't already at some point, you don't have to do it right now while we're watching. Maybe later on, go to YouTube and subscribe to the BGTV Studios page. That helps us out a lot. Be sure and watch uh, some of the other lineup of BGTV Studios. We're just constantly adding to that. Literally seems like every day, Brad, that new people are coming around wanting to be a part of what's going on here. Um, <clears throat> sometimes in, in, in we get in this place of trying to hear the voice of God, respond to his conviction, trying to identify when the enemy's speaking and hearing his condemnation. And, and, and sometimes out of our own mouths, we say the wrong things. You may not struggle with that, but most of us probably sometimes we, we say the wrong things. You know, the Bible says power, life, and death is in the tongue, that Jesus is the high priest of our profession or of our confession. In other words, he, he's priest over the things we say when those things line up with him and his word and his will. And sometimes we might say things like, you know, I, I just can't figure things out. But, but the Bible says that God will direct our steps, Proverbs 3. Sometimes we may say, you know, I'm, 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 just, I'm just too tired. You ever felt that way? And, and yet the word of God says, I, I'll give you rest, Matthew 11. Come to me, all those who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Sometimes we look at situations and we say, well, that, man, that's just that's impossible. Matter of fact, a lot of times when God is leading you to do something new, the first thought that you'll often have is, I can't do that. I'm not smart enough. I'm not, I don't have enough money. I don't have enough education. I don't have enough background. Yada, 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 yada. And to us, it seems impossible, and yet the Word says all things are possible. Same, same Bible that says with God all things are possible says all things are possible to the person that will believe Sometimes we just feel like, man, we're out here on an island or we're on our own. And, and your enemy, again, when he speaks this, this, this condemnation, uh, he'll say, you know, man, no, nobody loves you. Nobody accepts you. Nobody appreciates you. Nobody wants you. And, and yet, you know what God's saying about you? I love you. <laughs> I love you. I love enough to give, give my son to you, John 3, 16. I love, loved you enough that, that when you were in no condition to deserve it, Romans 5, 8, I showed you my love. Sometimes say, man, it's just not worth it. And yet God's word tells us it's worth it. We can look at Romans 8, 28. Sometimes we say, we're just, I'm just not smart enough. And yet God's word says that, that he'll give us wisdom. Matter of fact, he's been made unto us, Colossians 2, 3, wisdom. 
We say we're not able because we listen to the voice of condemnation that's coming from our enemy telling us that we're not capable of doing something, and, and yet we are able, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. We say we can't go on, and yet God says in 2 Corinthians 12 that his grace is sufficient. It's more than enough for us. Sometimes we just say, man, I, I, I can't do it. And yet Philippians 4 tells us we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us from who we get our strength. We look at the, 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 the cost, you know, it, the cost of ministry sometimes can be overwhelming. The, the need that you have to keep things going. Even here, I look around this studio and I have no idea how much all this stuff costs. You can't see all of it, but I'm going to tell you it costs a good bit. Uh, and, and we look at it and think, well, man, we, how, how are we going to do that? And, and, and yet God's told us he'll supply all our need. He'll supply all the need. And so whatever God's calling you to do, he's not going to call you to something and leave you out there hanging. He's not going to call you to do something and leave you out there to fail. He's not calling you to do something and then you get out there and realize that, uh, oh, okay, how are we going to fund this? How are we going to pay for this? Man, that, that's not what God is like. The enemy tries to speak in our ears and yeah, 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 tries to get us to, to feel fear, and yet God said, I haven't given you a spirit of fear. I've given you his power, love, and a sound mind. So the voice of the God and the, uh, the voice of God and the voice of our enemy are very different. And I would say they're very distinct. And I would encourage you to spend time in his words, spend time in his presence, spend time. And when I say in his presence, not just with a list of God, give me this, God, give me that, God, give me this. There's certainly a place for that. And in the model prayer, the Lord taught us to, to pray that way, to, to present our needs before him. But it is equally, if not more important, to have those quiet times where you just sit still in his presence and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you. Allow God through his word and through the person of the Holy Spirit to speak to you, to give you clarity about what it is that he is calling you to do. And don't feel rushed. Your enemy will try to rush you. Your enemy will come in behind a word that God has given you and try to get you to screw the whole thing up by rushing into something or rushing beyond God's timing. God may speak something to you, and then he may go no further than that. And so the reality is all we need to be doing at that time is praying that back to God, waiting on his established time for the next step and the next step and the next step. We don't have to have the, the full picture. All we got to know is what's the next thing God is speaking to us. And we don't have to rush. God, listen, I'm promise you, God's not in a hurry. God is not sitting on the throne looking at Jesus. Oh, my God, we got to hurry up. He's not doing it. God is not rushed, so why should we be? God does not condemn, so why would we allow condemnation to exist in our lives? If you are a Christ follower tonight, if you had a born-again experience with God. There is no condemnation for you. If anybody is watching tonight or anybody watches tomorrow or next week or somewhere down the road that, that someone maybe has recommended, or maybe you just stumble over this and, and you don't have that relationship with the Lord yet, then I would encourage you. I don't know, I don't know what's held it up. Is the Holy Spirit's drawn you? I don't, I don't know. You know, there's classic lines like, you know, there are things I got to get right first before I can come to God or things I got to clean up. This is my favorite example. If I've been golfing, if I've been working in the yard, if I've been working, if you know, if you've been running, which I don't do, or if you've been walking, if you did, what you've been at the gym or whatever, and I gave that up after the sixth surgery, but whatever you've been doing, man, and you come home and you're sweaty and you're nasty and you're dirty and your first thought is, I got to go take a shower. Why would you stop at the sink and wash your hands and face when you're about to step into the shower? 
What makes us think that there are things in our life, number one, that we're even capable of fixing, but why do we feel like there's things we have to fix or clean up first before we step into the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus and the person of the Holy Spirit? Just jump in the shower. There's nothing you have to change or fix or clean up first because you can't do it. Just fall into the mercy and the grace and the love of God. Allow the blood of Jesus to cleanse you. Allow him to baptize you into that and raise you up a new person, born again, not of corruptible seed but of incorruptible, full of the Spirit of God, and begin your walk with God, your journey, your learning, your process, where you fill yourself with the Word and learn to listen to and be moved by the Holy Spirit again. Conviction from the Holy Spirit brings us to a place of repentance, which brings restoration, which brings refreshing. That condemning voice of the enemy only seeks to keep us in bondage and to keep us from walking in God's best for our lives. As you cultivate your relationship with the Holy Spirit, it becomes easier and easier to know the difference. And, and when you hear that enemy doing that jawjacking that he does, open your mouth and speak to him and say, shut up. Shut up. You, 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 you don't dictate my life. You don't direct my life. You don't control my life. I don't listen to your voice, so shut up. You know, Jesus, the Bible says, was led uh, by the Spirit of the Lord into the wilderness to be tempted. He was there 40 days, 40 nights, didn't eat anything. Afterwards, he was hungry. Satan came out and tempted him. And, and you know, Satan's not very original. He tempted him with the same things that he always has and always will tempt everybody with. But my favorite part of that interaction is when Jesus ultimately said, Get behind me, Satan. And then he said this. He, he prophesied, if you will, over Satan. And he said, You, it's written, you will worship the Lord your God, not me, but Jesus. He spoke it to him and prophesied over him because the Bible says in Philippians 2 that uh, every knee will bow, heaven, hell, and earth, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So there will be a moment in history and, and it, when, when Satan himself bows and out of his mouth he declares that Jesus Christ is Lord. And Jesus reminded him of that and spoke it and prophesied over him and it's recorded in our Bible. Isn't that cool? Don't shy away from conviction. When the Holy Spirit is convicting you, respond. Respond the way that he is drawing you to respond. Because ultimately it's going to lead to life and it's going to lead to peace and it's going to lead to joy. Thank you for joining me tonight. I hope you got something out of that. Shoot me a message, personal message, email, Facebook messenger, call me, text me, whatever you want to do. And let me know what you're getting out of the show, what, what, uh, uh, what the value of it is to you. If you would, help me by sharing this on your own Facebook pages so others can get it. Tune in and follow along with BGTV Studios. Uh, watch some of the other folks in the lineup. There's some phenomenal stuff going on, some new things around the corner, and, and God is really blessing. Thank you for being a part of the BGTV Studios family. God bless you.